Welcome to Co-op Energy Talk. I'm Rachel Johnson, the Member Relations Manager here at Cherryland Electric Cooperative. I'm joined today by my ever-present and effervescent co-host, Tony Anderson. Hi, Tony. Hi. Present. Present, (laughs) yes. Good. Uh, So we've been working on a really interesting and innovative pilot project here the last six months, and we're very excited because it's about to launch this spring. And the program is designed to make renewable energy more accessible for low-income consumers and also increase the energy efficiency and quality of housing stock for those same members. Uh, We'll talk more about the details of the program in a few minutes, but I want to start by introducing our guest today. Sarah Molkoff works at the Michigan Energy Office within the Michigan Agency for Energy. She administers and coordinates municipal projects related to renewable energy and energy efficiency, and she's worked for several environmental nonprofits in Michigan and also serves on the board of the Great Lakes Renewable Energy Association. Sarah is a Michigan State alum and is currently pursuing a master's degree in energy regulation and law at the Vermont Law School. So welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you. Glad to be on. Sarah contacted us last summer about Cherryland piloting a low-income community solar program in partnership with both the state and also our local community action agency. The program idea stemmed from a Department of Energy initiative called the Clean Energy for Low-Income Communities Accelerator Program. The acronym we use is CELICA or CELICA. I don't know if there's a right way to say it, but C-E-L-I-C-A. So to kind of start us off, Sarah, can you talk about what that CELICA program is? Yes, thank you. So um, we, as Rachel's mentioning, we've been part of a program that is through the Department of Energy. So an accelerator is really just another way to, um, to frame kind of a network of both state and some city partners that are collectively working together in kind of a peer exchange around a specific goal. And this CELICA program's specific goal is related to uh, demonstrating different types of successful models for installation of energy efficiency and distributed renewables in low-income communities. And so our goal here with the Cherryland pilot has been to pilot a model of doing uh, a, a basically a virtual net metering program to, um, to help low-income residents um, both by receiving uh, discounted electricity through the solar subscriptions and weatherization programs. And I can talk more about the nuts and bolts of how that works. But back to the accelerator, the overarching goals of which all of these uh, state and city partners are working on are related to um, identifying market barriers related to clean energy installations in low-income communities, Uh, sharing and leveraging resources and solutions and technologies that help low-income communities install efficiency and renewable energy. Uh, Third, increasing visibility and replication of best practices and successful models. And last, demonstrating uh, successful partnerships for integrating both energy efficiency and renewables across uh, partners within a a community. That's awesome. And so when... um you mentioned market barriers, and maybe, Tony, you can weigh in on this as well. But when we think about kind of our low-income consumer base, what are the – I mean, I think this might be obvious, but just to kind of spell it out, what are the market barriers that we're really think, kind of have to pay attention to? For me, it's the low-income member's ability to purchase solar. You know, there's virtually none if you're below the poverty level. So how do we bring renewable energy to that low-income member? They, there's obviously going to be some assistance. 
and that's what the yeah, program exactly. does. Yeah, yeah, to add on to that, I'll just say that a lot of the low-income families, they're probably burning um, the traditional types of, of heating fuels, and their homes might be older and possibly unweatherized, and so it's leading to above-average energy uh, expenses. And so part of the, um, the main market barrier that I've been trying to explore is what we call the energy burden. And so calculating how much of these individuals' overall income is going towards paying their utility bills. Um, so for most households, I think they spend 2 to 3% of their gross income on their utility bills, but low-income households often spend 2 to 3 times that on average. And so it's um, certainly the financials have been the biggest um, barrier of, of, of how low-income communities can, um, can access these, um, these technologies. And I, and I, yeah, and I think too, as we kind of started to build out the program, that also formed one of our kind of guiding goals, which is how do we bring down the percentage of a low income member's income that has to be spent on energy or at, at a minimum allow them to have a more comfortable, use more energy if they have the, if they can afford it in order to make their home more comfortable, right? But, but how do we, how do we start to, um, create a program that gets at that interplay between their income level and the percentage of it that they have to spend on energy. Mm-hmm. So how how did Michigan get chosen as a, a partner in this Department of Energy initiative? Right. So as the state energy office, uh, we, we have a lot of direct ties with the U.S. Department of Energy, and one of the main program areas we work with is the Better Buildings area. And so a, a little more than a year ago, we had heard about this program that was actually more aimed towards our state weatherization assistance program, which is based elsewhere. Um, and we knew that the weather's uh, looking towards the goals of uh, both energy waste reduction and weatherization, pairing it with um, with renewable solutions, we decided to form a partnership with the state's weatherization program to um, to become official partners on the accelerator. So it derived out of a, a conference announcement just over a year ago and developed, first developed a partnership with the other state agency. And really the, the main parameters they were looking for in, in working with Michigan was identifying dedicated state partners that were able to convene stakeholder groups, develop an action plan, and secure part of the funding to implement the plan. And I'll also just note that um, that our program ha- has been one of these many partnerships that the Celica National Accelerator works with um, that are all very different from each other. And so Michigan has had a lot of opportunity to assess like the, the needs of our participants, of our um, of our residents here that would be receiving it and really developing a program that works best for us. So there's been a lot of flexibility and a lot of great partnerships that uh, allowed us to sign up for it. So then once you kind of knew that the um, Michigan Energy Office was going to have the opportunity to develop this in Michigan, how did you decide on Cherryland as a a pilot location? Yes, so... So initially, when we knew that we were going to be involved, we kind of look, took a big-picture look at the utility composition across the state and different pockets of, of different areas of low-income residents. And we thought a lot about the differences between rural versus urban communities that are tackling um, this energy burden issue. And with most pilots, we, we wanted to start in a smaller area, something that was manageable, 
And uh, we're also, in the utility mapping that we're looking at, also looking at which utilities have committed to some uh, shares or some purchases of renewable energy as part of their plan. And then also looking at which uh, regions of the state have strong ties to the local community action agency. Uh, the reason that's important because, the, uh, again, the ties in with the weatherization program. They work directly with these local community action agencies and nonprofits to distribute more direct information about energy optimization, uh, weatherization, and discounts and things like that. So we were really kind of assessing the state of uh, what utility and what region of the state has all three of those uh, those things kind of ripe and ready for um, ready to pilot a program with us. And so Cherryland seemed like a great fit for the partnership, and and they've been um, you guys have been great to work with so far. So thank you for taking the initial call, and um, it's taken us to this point where we're at today. We were excited to get the initial call, and also thank you for saying we were great as opposed to horrible, because we want to say that off the podcast with a more appropriate location. So are you are you piloting uh, this uh, with other utilities or and or types of utilities throughout the state? Yeah, that's a great question. So like like most pilots, um, this you know I'm, we definitely have been trying to think big. Um, however, in year one, we really just focused with the rural electric co-op. Um, but in addition to that, at some point, we would like to build it out in a couple of phases to target different types of utilities, um, to model it both in a municipal-owned utility and also figure out a model that would work for an investor-owned utility, such as DTE or Consumers Energy Territory. Um, additionally, another level that we've thought about uh, initially is is unraveling a program onto a um, Native American land territory um, and figuring out different models that would work in these different sectors. So year one has really just been dedicated to the rural electric co-op model, but we certainly have plans to figure out how basically what's a, a virtual net metering program related to a community solar array could work in different sections of the state and specifically with different types of our, um, of our geography. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because the timing was so right when you contacted us because we had just launched a new phase of our community solar and we had quite a bit of capacity to uh, add in new members to that community solar. So the timing was really perfect with Cherrylands for us to probably move a little more quickly than other utilities that might have to kind of be starting one step prior to that, which would be getting that community solar in the ground in order to be able to, to do virtual net metering. Exactly. I'm glad you brought that up because knowing that was certainly another uh, layer on the criteria as we were initially evaluating what part of the state to work in, knowing that um, you had the, the, the purchases and the partnership with Spartan Solar and uh, that was already in place. Some of the other accelerator programs that I mentioned across the country, they're, they're working on different phases of that, of how to develop a program um, in which there isn't yet an existing array. So, yeah, we certainly have that in our favor with this case. So then I kind of want to hear from Tony. Tony, why was Cherryland interested in, what, you know, kind of what, what appealed to you or to, uh, to the, us as a co-op about this program? A number of things. First, like you said, we had the capacity, but we also had five years' experience with virtual net metering. And for the listeners, virtual net metering is essentially we've got a, a solar panel in one location and we got a house 20, 30, 100 miles away and we can apply the energy from that solar panel to the house 100 miles away. 
we, we have experience doing that. And basically, community solar consolidates all the panels in one location, and you can distribute them to as many homes as you like from there uh, with the internal workings in, in the office at Cherryland, and we've been doing that for five years. So we had experience, and we certainly have a commitment to the community and low-income members, and this fit that. We had done a pilot with uh, public sector consultants uh, years ago. We were the first uh, Michigan Saves pilot in the state, so not our first rodeo working with a state-related entity on a pilot project and first community solar in the state. So this just fits. Yeah, And I, I also kind of looked at it as an opportunity for us to put our money where our mouth is a little bit. We've been very vocal about the need for... Um, whether it's a policy or a regulatory issue, to look at the ways in which oftentimes low-income members get left behind or disadvantaged. We see that sometimes on the energy efficiency side. So we, we've been very vocal about that. And so this was an opportunity for us when you, when you came to us, Sarah, and said, hey, I think I have a, a, an option we can try as a solution to that. That was a great chance for us to say, okay, yeah, well, we've yeah. been complaining about it. Yeah, so that's, think, let's that's true. That, that was a factor. Years ago when uh, energy waste reduction was rolled out, it had a low-income component. And early on, the, everybody had a tough time meeting that, and so the state just dropped it. They essentially just, I won't say they didn't care about low income, but it was just too difficult, so it got dropped. So this was an opportunity to pick up that low income component in a different fashion. And we were certainly yes, it's great to know the background, Tony. Like you mentioned, I didn't know that you were um, the first pilot program for some of Michigan Saves Financing, and mm -hmm. just a shout-out to them. I noticed that they, they just had a celebration for reaching their $100 million amount in, in mm -hmm. financing energy efficiency and clean energy projects. So That's fantastic. Yeah, we, we worked with Sally Talberg, who's now the, the chair of the Michigan Public Service Commission. She was at Public Sector Consultants at that time, and we worked with her and Julie Medi Bennett, I believe, Great. and got that yeah. program done. Yeah, and I think another piece that really appealed to me about this program, Sarah, was that it, it had the right combination of renewable energy, but also really looking at weatherization and the importance of helping to make a home, especially when we look in the rural on the rural side at low income, a lot of those homes are just bleeding energy. And so looking at, at weatherization making upgrades to the home and renewable energy was really appealing about this pilot. So can you talk a little bit through what kind of what types of weatherization some of these homes might have gone through or, or at least how they're being qualified into the program based on weatherization? Yes, I think that you're absolutely right. And we, we were careful to design a program that wasn't just favoring clean energy or energy efficiency, that it, it really developed a way to marry both of those programs together. And one of the helpful things that, um, that I did when I visited up north was actually doing a tour with you, with you folks to, to understand more about the housing base and the condition that some of them, in, that some of them were in. And so that helped us understand that um, the households um, that, that needed weatherization were working directly with, with Cherryland as well as with the local community action agency, Northwest Community Action, to receive some types of rebates, uh, energy efficiency upgrades to, to their windows, their walls, appliances, things like that. Um, and it helped us to better determine what type of criteria uh, that would best meet the needs of the community here. And so ultimately, we came up with the following criteria. And so eligible households, uh, first of all, had to have an income level that's 
at or below 200% of the federal poverty line, and generally with a history of of previous uh, reliance on direct energy assistance programs. So number one, at at or below the federal poverty line. Number two, they have received some type of utility-sponsored energy optimization through the Community Action Agency. And so the local partner there we've been working with to, um, to work with them on the list of households that they've reached with these services over the past year. Uh, third, in this phase of the program, we're just working with single-family homes, and so home needs to be a single family and that they either own or rent their home. Fourth, that the participants are willing to share their energy data. So that's um, that goes into what we're actually measuring here. So we'll have data collection based on their electricity usage prior to weatherization, uh, after the weatherization takes place, and their usage after enrollment into the net metering program. So those were the four um, the four criteria that were required. And then in addition, while it wasn't required to qualify, we're also looking at trends of the households that have received reliance on some of the direct federal assistance heating funds. So those would be given priority if they had dollars from our MEEP program or something like that. Can you give our listeners an, uh, an estimate of the, the dollar number involved with 200% of poverty? Is that 18000 a year or less or? What, what I'm is that sorry, number? I don't have it off the top of my head. Okay, okay. I, I think it's in around that number. It's, it's a low number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what we also have to understand is even though I said single family, oftentimes there are more than one family unit. It, it'll be extended family and relatives all sharing resources under one roof. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we definitely see that. And that also that goes to the weatherization piece as well. So you have low-quality co- low housing stock that's also often kind of packed to the gills, and it, it creates that dynamic you talked about early in the podcast with disproportionately high energy bills compared to income. So, yeah, that, that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really important area for us to focus resources. Um, so thank you ex- for explaining kind of how people were chosen and what the eligibility requirements were. So then thinking through kind of the metrics you described that we might track, but kind of like what are the goals of the project? Mm-hmm. Like at the end, what's what's the moment where we say, yeah, this was a successful pilot? Right. Yeah, that's, that's very important. Uh, the overall goal here um, is ultimately that we're, we're modeling a, a scenario which can provide low to moderate income communities access to renewable energy and weatherization, ultimately to help lower their energy burden, meaning it's putting um, – it's lowering their energy usage and dollars that they're spending on their electric bills and hope, hopefully putting them on a path towards energy self-sufficiency so they're not as uh, directly reliant on some of the assistance services that are provided. So we think that like the, the clean energy and being part of the community solar shares is a part of the solution that helps move a customer closer to self-sufficiency. Um, so by the, making their homes more energy efficient or providing the incentive dollars to offset their unaffordable bills, they're also getting educated by what they're doing that's saving them money on their utility bills. Mm-hmm. Um, so by being part of the program, we're hoping that it makes households more engaged in their energy bills, where their energy comes from, how they're using it, and uh, what they can do to reduce their energy. Mm-hmm. So. For in, uh, we'll, we'll be evaluating this program throughout the year, and by the end of the year, ideally some of these customers will not have the same um, 
uh, eligibility that they did to begin with, meaning that they might have more disposable income that they're able to pay their utility bills on their own, and they don't rely on these assistance services as much. So we're hoping that we're starting with the first class of 50 households, but some of these will graduate out of the need uh, for the direct assistance. Um, so we're starting the pilot just with 50, but we're hoping that we'll continue to enroll people and, and um, continue to help uh, both educate and reduce bills for low and moderate income folks across the, the district. Do you have a budget for this? I mean, if you're going to roll out other pilots, is, is there a set amount of money that you have to, to spend on You know, um, I haven't been as as involved with our budgeting process. We were, we were uh, able to donate some of our program dollars to this program to purchase a percentage of the of the solar subscriptions with Cherryland. Um, but it's a little unclear of what dollar amounts that we'll be able to input into the, our, our, um, our future projects. Yeah. With that said, we've also been thinking creatively about actually getting additional dollars through the state's weatherization program. Other states have been successful with actually getting um, solar subscriptions through community solar as a qualification um, through their state's weatherization plan. And so still still thinking strategically about different ways that we could get more funding to expand the program. Great. Well, and, it's, and if, it seems like one of the most important first steps towards trying to find those funding sources is for showing that you've been good stewards of the funding we've already kind of mm-hmm. put into the program. And that's where paying close attention to those success metrics and, um, you know, continuing to push the program. But one thing I want to just stop and take a second to, to make sure that we make clear to all of our listeners is just kind of the nuts and bolts of the program and what a member goes through as they enroll. Um, so we, we set this up originally wanting to accept 50 households into the program, and their first step in this process was Northwest Michigan Community Action Agency. So they worked with Community Action Agency sometime in the last um, probably year or two to get weatherization done in their home. And as you said, Sarah, that can include everything from uh, installing a more efficient appliance to up grading all of their windows, but things that were meant to have a real and immediate impact on the amount of energy they were using in their home. So every member uh, accepted into the program either had done weatherization or had an assessment that determined they didn't need weatherization or is scheduled to do weatherization. Once they were accepted into the program through Community Action Agency, they were then submitted to Cherryland. And at that point, our energy use advisor got a hold of them went to their home, met with them, and showed them how to use all of Cherryland's energy use tools, which are free. So showed them how to use our Smart Hub app, how to go in and look at how much they're using on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, how to analyze that in order to make decisions that might make might make, allow them to save electricity without having to invest any money. In addition, uh, Tammy took them through kind of a what we normally do in our standard assessments, so just really, truly an educational process of thinking through when I turn on my my dryer, for example, what does that impact actually have on my energy bill? And we'll continue to offer those services to the members who, well, to all of our members, but we'll really continue to focus on staying in touch with these members who are participating in this program throughout the program. So hopefully some of the things that happen are just behavioral. And uh, At that point, they're fully enrolled in the program. And once they're fully enrolled in the program, nine community solar panel shares are attached to their account. And they will get credit on a monthly basis for the output of those shares. And anyone who's familiar with solar knows that that dollar amount's going to change seasonally, uh, 
not surprising, January is not usually a banner month for us for solar, but a lot of times September can be a phenomenal month for us for solar. So they'll see variations throughout the year, but overall they'll probably end up in the $350 to $400 range in terms of the amount of bill credits that show up on their bill over the course of a year of their participation in the program. And that's that piece that helps pull their 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 energy bill down in a way that will hopefully allow them to budget differently and um, shift that energy burden uh, dynamic, I guess. So yeah, and the average house at on the Terryland system uses seventy dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Now certainly some of these are above average, but it's at least three to four months of energy yeah. bills yep. per year. Yep. Right. It is quite significant. I think one way we calculated it was looking that these households will receive somewhere between like twenty five to thirty three percent of their annual electric consumption mm-hmm. will be reduced through enrollment in the program. Yeah, that's that's accurate. Yeah. So, um, and again, just to reiterate, like the thing I love about this program is how robust it is in kind of hitting this problem from a bunch of different sides and hopefully equipping these members. I mean, one, kind of there's that immediate help of here you go, you now, we, we help with this weatherization or we helped with this bill credit. But the longer term goal would be that that changes the dyna- dynamic of their relationship to how they use energy and how they are able to manage their energy bill, which is, that would be a really cool outcome. Right. Um, so... Uh, kind of along those lines, does anybody have anything else to kind of throw in in terms of wh- how we're going to measure success, the metrics we want to watch, or, or, or what, where we're looking at this program as we go forward throughout this year? Uh, did we talk about disconnects? You know, uh, well, we didn't. No, we don't talk about that. Yeah, we're, we're hopeful that the people in this program will not need to be disconnected during the year, that that 25% savings will be enough to keep them off the disconnect list, and yeah. we consider that a, a, a success measure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I think too part of that is kind of breaking the cycle of crisis, right? Correct. And yeah. and that's such an important. It's a better step. way to put it than disconnect. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. So yeah, I would agree that um, ultimately we're trying to get folks uh, after a year, uh, we're getting more folks to um, basically graduate from the program of of needing the direct assistance mm-hmm. in order to to assist more low income customers right. in future years. So the the direct data that we will be measuring is their electricity usage, their dollars saved, their dollars that are used on their energy bills, and the energy waste reduction services that are provided. So types of energy efficiency um, that could be the the weatherization services that they're implementing or potentially energy efficiency kind of behavioral changes too. Those are the main parts of data that we'll be monitoring throughout the whole program. But at the end of the term, we're also kind of keeping track of of additional co-benefits, such as um, you know the education and behavior change that uh, the folks are committed to more waste reduction programs, a decreased number uh, that sign up for direct income assistance, heating uh, uh, dollars, um, and then other maybe co-benefits such as like health improvements. Their their homes are maintained at a safer temperature, uh, improved air quality, reduced greenhouse gas emissions, and then ultimately getting them on a path towards stability with paying their monthly bills and establishing that path towards energy self-sufficiency. So I think all in all, it's a well-rounded approach to get folks more educated about energy usage um, to actually save them both both electricity and dollars throughout the year, and then putting them on this path towards um, just a deeper understanding about energy. And some very measurable financial measures to 
that are easily trackable. Mm -hmm. Certainly health is uh, very important and something we can kind of track, but there's others that are, they're, they're finite. They're, mm -hmm. they're definite measures that we will be watching. Lots of metrics available. Mm -hmm. so we don't right, and an evaluation kind of throughout the program, we'll expect to do a case study to evaluate um, how, how year one of this program went, and hopefully that could be um, useful as we're developing the next phases of this and building it out. And so definitely important to, to monitor and evaluate uh, throughout the course of the year. Yeah, and that's what I like about it a lot. Mm -hmm. there's, there's some good measures and there's going to be some good follow-up and yeah. it's not just a program that we're going to set aside and not look at. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and you mentioned the case study, Sarah, and, and one of the things that I, I think I like about our approach to the program as well is we're thinking in a kind of in a really local sense in terms of what we're doing here and the impact it's going to have on the people who are involved, but also thinking in a slightly larger sense about creating a model that could be used, for example, at other electric co-ops in Michigan or at other places not even in Michigan, right, because of the fact that we're attached back through this Department of Energy program. And um, certainly Community Solar has been a big initiative of electric co-ops across the country. So there's a really nice opportunity here, I think. Um, so I'm, I, I'm excited to see what all comes of that. And certainly I think... Uh, Cherryland is excited to see how we can sustain this program in the future for our, our low-income members. Right. I think you folks are going to be the leaders on this and talking with your, your fellow co-ops around the country, too. Um, a year from now, we'll be talking about the successes of it. Absolutely. Hopefully many years from now, we'll be continuing to talk about the successes. <laughs> well, I think, I think we've covered a lot of ground. Does anybody have anything that we haven't talked about that, that you think is important about the program to say? I, I have nothing. Rachel, I have a question. Um, I know Tammy uh, has been doing these home visits, and so just how have people been receptive to hearing about the program? Mm -hmm. What what do the uh, residents think of it? Uh, well, I mean, in general, everyone's very excited about it. They're very grateful for the opportunity to participate in it, and I also think we're we're getting a strong sense that people they are grateful that we're taking the time to sh to sit down with them and explain to them how they can change the dynamic of their energy bill and and so that's been a real takeaway for me personally is just that time spent driving out to their home, sitting in their home, walking them through the app, walking them through how things work, is re they are saying back to us, this is really valuable to me and, we, and I really appreciate it. So I think in general, the whole thing is working really well for the members we've had the opportunity to talk to. It also tells me, though, that it's important that we keep that touch point going forward and continue to kind of stay close to those members so we can make sure we're capturing their experience and adjusting if we need to adjust or doing more of something that's working. Mm -hmm. But in general, mm -hmm. um, the feedback has been very, very positive. That's great to hear. Thanks. Uh, so to that end, I, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll continue to talk about this program going forward and certainly touch back in not only with our podcast listeners, but the readers of our magazine about, about how the program is going. But I do want to take a uh, second, Sarah, to thank you for reaching out to us about participating in this program because it's been a really fun project for us and a really good fit for kind of what we're trying to accomplish yeah, here. Yeah, we're, we're certainly very grateful for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure to work with you on this. Well, thank you. And thank you for taking the time to hop in on the podcast today. And to all of our listeners out there, if you have any questions about the program, do not hesitate to give us an email, drop us a comment on our blog, go on Facebook, whatever you need to do to ask your question, we will answer it. Thanks, guys.